Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hi everyone, um, welcome Stem Cell at Lunch Digest listener. I'm Prudence and I'm one of the PhD students in the Centre of Stem Cell and Regenerative Medicine in KCL. And in today's episode, we have we are joined by Dr. Fikas Tripadi, a group leader in Embo, Barcelona. Welcome, Vikas. Um, thank you very much for joining us. And to start off with, would you mind telling us more about your background and also the focus of your research, please? Uh, thank you, Prudence, for this uh, wonderful opportunity. So I started as an undergraduate student uh, at the Indian Institute of Technology, Kanpur, in India. Um, and that was when my interest in biology got sparked. So I went to do a PhD at uh, Caltech in the US where I was mostly working on uh, two photon light sheet microscopy for imaging zebrafish heart and also tackling other types of imaging and image analysis problems. And then after my PhD I wanted to move into an area which was uh, let's say even more biology oriented and, uh, uh, and that's how I ended up in Cambridge. Uh, in the lab of Alfonso Martinez Arias, whose lab had recently published this work, excellent work on gastroloids. And uh, I felt that the system was quite interesting because uh, it is a self-organizing system because you take a bunch of uh, embryonic stem cells and then you put them in a media where you know the composition. So for an engineer, it was like the perfect system where you could control the system, you could control biology and still try to understand something uh, deeper about uh, the process of uh, embryogenesis. So you mentioned gastroid. Um, how is this model different from our normal mouse stem cell culture? Is it just aggregates? Yes, so uh, the thing is that uh, you start with a counted number of cells and you make a 3D aggregate of uh, these cells in a differentiating media. So basically the cells are cultured in 2D for in a pluripotency media and then after that you take the cells out and you plate them in a 96 well plate so that they can aggregate uh, and as long as you have the right conditions of culture uh, these this aggregate will basically deform itself from a sphere transform itself from a sphere to a cylinder and that is what we are interested in understanding that how does a sphere become a cylinder ah. That's that's a nice way to put it. Um, so what makes you very interested in this early stage of actual organization? So one of the things which I find interesting, which was my first motivation to move in this field was how is it that um, a homogeneous cell population, uh, how does it uh, differentiate? And the advantage of using a system like gastroloid was that it did not have or it does not have uh, any kind of sig- bias in terms of a signaling center or in terms of a morphogen gradient which are typically present in an embryo so you have the opportunity to understand something which could be a truly self-organizing in in the true sense of the word um, and, and that's why uh, what, what is my interest in the system because i think it allows us it gives us an opportunity to understand something very fundamental about how uh, how differentiation actually happens it can be a very spontaneous process 
but once you have cells differentiating spontaneously they also need to organize themselves so as to make a functional object and and this is where i think uh, my interest lies interesting so do you think early organization is different from later organization for example i'm sure like the differentiation pattern and requiring external cue is probably completely more complex in the later stage do you think it will be possible to even dissect what kind of happening actually happening in a later stage so i will take the optimistic approach and i would say that yes because i would say that yes it will be possible maybe not immediately today but maybe i'm sure in the next 10 day 10 years we will uh, know quite a lot about more how to dissect the system but i think the key is to have the ability to control the cells um, and and to uh, ask simple questions i think one of I mean, this is my attraction to the system that since it is a simple system it allows us to ask simple questions these simple questions have profound implications for example uh, when we are making these organoids in a dish not all of them are successful so you have a lot of heterogeneity you have a lot of variability and this gives us an opportunity to understand in what ways the system can go wrong so that we have an opportunity to also correct it if we are always studying the process in the embryo we are always seeing a system where evolution has come up with so many different uh, backup plans to make sure that you make a successful object for us understanding the failure has it has value as well and 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 that's why i think uh, meaning that was my uh, motivation in the first place and my uh, reason for me to switch from uh, instrumentation and dealing with deterministic mechanical objects to biology more complex isn't it <laughs> like another layer of complexity which you have so much different factors that you don't know what's going on yes i'm really interested how you just said in mentioning your seminar that you think um you're trying to understand what is conserved and what is different between an in vivo and ex vivo conditioned and how the ex vivo condition is kind of lack of the boundary and in an in vitro condition and do you think it's ever possible to use different external factors this is kind of a wild thinking right now and um, on the other side of the coin you are trying to understand how to use different external factor to drive for example a mouse embryo into separate fish for example is that ever possible do you think it will be one day feasible because if if that's feasible we can we don't even need to use human stem cell we just need to use most stem cell drive to certain stage then that's it it's a crazy crazy idea i agree <laughs> so we might be able to recapitulate to some extent the behavior of let's say mouse cells in zebra fish cells or zebra fish cells in mouse cells but i don't think one can be the replacement for another ever because i think the genetics and uh, the chromosome they, they they cannot there is no way to work around them what we are seeing in these systems in these simple systems and what i was trying to motivate in the talk is that at least when it comes to very conserved events such as the development of the body axis it is possible that these uh systems are uh, to use these systems in order to 
uh, understand that fundamental process and by observing it in this in vitro system we can do a better comparison across the species so because we do not have the embryo specific cues uh, which are present in the native embryo meaning not to mention that um, classic and meaning we know so much about things being conserved is because of uh, classic embryologists have done such hard work despite the presence of the embryo but i would say that what we are trying to do is um, uh, is to also in a way build the system uh, so that we can learn from the process interesting so in that sense do you think there will be application like possible way to use this understanding or these observation to drive our in vitro model to a much more in vivo condition absolutely actually i would say that in case of uh, especially in case of mouse and human embryonic stem cells recently uh, people have done uh, great work where they would they have tried to bring in the extra embryonic stem cell population also in vicinity of the embryonic stem cell population and the kind of uh, structures that are generated as a result they are much closer to the embryo also morphologically so currently what we see in gastroloids and pescoids they are very similar to the embryo in terms of its gene expression patterns but also in terms of morphology i think you need a lot of these external uh, cues in order to make it make something very very uh, similar to the embryo so by doing so i would say that uh, it's a matter of balancing that on one hand we are seeing the capacity to do a lot of stuff without the presence of embryonic extra embryonic factors and uh, in case of um, uh, and on the other hand we have uh, systems where people bring in extra embryonic tissue and then you would see something which is very very similar to the embryo also recently in case of human esls and ips cells people have uh, it has been very well demonstrated that by using microfluidic which basically mimics the signaling environment you can also make structures which are very similar morphologically as well to the real embryo so i think there is value in trying to dissect these things one by one interesting and make this organoid field very exciting as well so moving forward what do you think the biggest challenge in your field like in terms of organoid actual organization and what do you think is your optimal goal so i would say that one big challenge i would say that uh, currently what we are doing more or less is we are a passive observers to what the cells are capable of doing so although we play with microfluidics we can play with uh, certain substrates and hydrogels and matrigel and things like that yet we are more or less relying uh, on the cells to do what they are capable of doing i think what we need going forward what is going to be uh, uh, the biggest challenge and and that is a lot of work is already being done in that direction is is to use an interdisciplinary approach where we bring in more and more uh, let's say physicists engineers and biologists in close proximity with each other so that they all have a different perspective on the problem and that together helps making advances i think this is what what is quite important 
So you think we can dissect everything in one physics equation at one point? Do you think that will ever be possible, or that would be the ideal situation because we will like you know understand what life really is already? No, I mean if if we are able to do that, then perhaps uh, um, I don't think there will be anything else left to do. But uh, uh, but I think no, I I don't think the goal is to derive a a single physics equation which captures everything. I think it is the approach which is interesting. So. Um, and it is the approach of engineering and physics which I am I am talking about. So the idea is that you might have so there is a difference between something being complicated and something being complex. So biology is complex, but that doesn't mean it has also have to be uh, it also has to be complicated. And the the and the the idea of abstraction. So you might have a bunch of cells which are able to uh, do things individually. Yet at the population level, there might be a phenomena that uh, that we observe. And engineering and physics is very good at at abstracting these uh, these big picture phenomena. So it is the approach that I think is useful. And I, I I personally I don't think that we will be able to. I don't think the system is simple enough that it can be be simplified into a single equation. That I don't think will ever be possible. But the philosophy of thinking is what I think will uh, will help us a lot. Interesting. So on that note, do you think what kind of advice would you give to our PhD student or postdoc who like to go into the field? For example, join your lab. For example, knowing that multidiscipline is probably one of the key thing you need to achieve first. No, so I would say, uh, I I definitely I I believe that uh, I think multidisciplinary is extremely good. Uh, it's a population level phenomena. I would say, I mean, borrowing from what I was explaining before, I think individually it is important that people have expertise. And it is very important, I, I, and this would be my advice, that people should have expertise, have core expertise in something. Because once you reach to a level of being an expert at something, I think you it doesn't matter what field you come from, you have uh, a way of looking at a problem very critically. And I think that is what is important. Interdisciplinarity is, I think, it is important that you should be one should be able to work in an environment where you can have a conversation. Let's say a physicist should be able to explain himself to a biologist, and a biologist should be able to explain herself or himself to uh, a, uh, a physicist. Uh, but if uh, uh, but it is very very important that um, you come with a core expertise, and even if it is let's say you said about my lab. Uh, in my lab, actually, I have people who are experts in areas uh, where I don't have the expertise. Yet, I think at the level of the lab, we are quite interdisciplinary. So, able to communicate but also have your own expertise is probably most important thing to hone a field that you are special in. Yes, in that sense, interesting. So, other more chill question, which um. I'll, we always ask this question to all our like guests, which is, um, what kind of other hobby do you have other than science? So I like sketching quite a lot. Really? So I I I am reasonably good at it. So I, I like doing that. 
and also i like uh, listening to political commentary co- also quite a lot so do they give you inspiration when you do experiments or like think of stuff like you see symmetry no actually more than that they uh, they help me disconnect do you think the disconnection from work and then go back to work actually helps or you think constantly thinking about it is what key to success um so i think there is no clear uh, let's say one formula uh, i think everybody is different everybody thinks differently even in my case i would say that there are days when i am constantly thinking there are days when i prefer to have a to be to disconnect so it it's it varies and uh, i don't think one way is more successful as compared to another i see So one last question what do you enjoy most about science about your science So I would say two things one is one I really like um, very much is uh, the idea of problem solving So you have a problem and you try to think about it so that that is very stimulating so that is quite uh, a big motivation for me to do science and the other motivation is also to have the ability to work with intelligent people um and and to see to be able to now as a pi uh, i also feel that i have the opportunity to uh, make a contribution to people's career in one way or another but but this ability to be able to do something uh is 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 something which is very interesting because the fun of working with intelligent people is that you they keep you constantly on your toes so it is it is very stimulating and it is it is very rewarding that you get to learn uh, things from the people that you would not know because of course your time span is limited in a day so if you are surrounded by uh, people you have a lot of opportunity to learn and this i find really really uh, rewarding nice well thank you very much for joining us and um this wonderful conversation that we have um yeah thank, thank you. you prudence